was fearless. He was not afraid of anything or anybody. Under U.S. leadership, the European powers, the United Kingdom, France, and Germany had every intention of supporting the status quo of colonialism and apartheid in Zimbabwe and in South Africa. The Free South Africa movement was the last movement that combined grassroots with working with people inside the establishment, the Congress, and all those other people to get an agenda passed. From Washington, D.C., this is On the Ground. For this hour and for our next show, we will continue to honor the life of Randall Robinson, international human rights activist and leader in the movement to bring down the brutal racist system of apartheid in South Africa. Welcome to On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. I'm Esther Averam. This is the second of three shows honoring the life of Randall Robinson. For this hour, we'll hear from more speakers, including Representative Barbara Lee of California, speaking at the Washington, D.C. Memorial held for Robinson in June of this year. But before that, first some headlines. Despite worldwide protests, the Tokyo Electric Power Company began discharging on Thursday wastewater from the Fukushima nuclear plant into the Pacific Ocean. In response, South Korean protesters were arrested after entering the Japanese embassy in Seoul, and China said it would ban imports of Japanese ocean products. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbin said of the wastewater release, quote, the ocean is the common property of all humankind, not a place for Japan to arbitrarily dump nuclear contaminated water, end quote. Japan insists that its plan for the release is safe, and the International Atomic Energy Agency has concluded it is, quote, consistent with relevant international safety standards, end quote. TEPCO said it would release 7,800 tons of water over the next 17 days and around 31,000 tons by April, according to DW. The entire process is expected to take around three decades. The organization Beyond Nuclear, based in Tacoma Park, Maryland, is one of the groups supporting a protest Friday, August 25th, at 11 a.m. in front of the Japanese embassy here in Washington, D.C. That's at 2520 Massachusetts Avenue Northwest in Washington, D.C. For more information about the international movement against Japan's dumping of this contaminated waste, visit beyondnuclear.org. Meanwhile, on the eastern end of the Pacific Ocean, the numbers of people missing after the massive wildfires in Maui, Hawaii, remains at more than 1,100 as rescue and recovery crews report picking up crumbling bodies. Officials say that 2,500 names were on the initial list of missing, but only 1,400 on the list have been found safe. 
Meanwhile, the official death toll remains at 115. Now, across the Atlantic Ocean, on the final day of the BRICS summit in South Africa, leaders announced that they had decided to invite Argentina, Egypt, Iran, Ethiopia, the UAE, and Saudi Arabia to join the group, which already includes Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. The expanded BRICS economic cooperation group will total 37% of global GDP in terms of purchasing power parity while the group will account for 48% of the global population. More on the new expanded BRICS on next week's show. Also in Africa, news organizations there speculated Thursday about the impact on countries, including Mali and Burkina Faso, after the apparent death of Evgeny Prigozhin, head of the Russian mercenary Wagner Group, in a plane crash on Wednesday. Several African countries have received security assistance from Wagner in the aftermath of NATO's invasion and destruction of Libya and the ensuing regional chaos. Back in the United States, workers who are voting on forming a union will no longer be held up by rules that were put in place by the National Labor Relations Board during the Trump administration. The board passed a regulation Thursday, August 24th, which restores protections put in place in 2014, which ensured union elections would be held swiftly. Under the new rule, the board said it will, quote, meaningfully reduce the time it takes to get from petition to union election in contested elections and will expedite the resolution of any post-election litigation, end quote. And finally, in culture and media, it is reported that it took only 90 minutes after former President Donald Trump departed his booking at the Fulton County Jail on August 24th for him to begin hawking his scowling mugshot on a T-shirt. The cost, $47. Even though Trump had just voluntarily surrendered and was booked on charges that he tried to overturn his loss in the 2020 election, the shirt included the caption, Never Surrender. Meanwhile, an entrepreneur on Etsy was offering a t-shirt with a mugshot without the caption for $19.75. And those are headlines and happenings. Stay with us. Understand why you care so much. It's all a mystery. Time and time again, I ask myself, What have I done to deserve such wealth? The price you pay, I can never repay your generosity. And what didn't you save me? To save the day Cause the love you place yourself In harm's way It's truly beyond me Left without a word to say What kind of love would place yourself In harm's way Love 
Randall Robinson was a human rights activist and founder of the organization Trans Africa, best known for his tireless advocacy against the system of South African apartheid and for democracy in Haiti. He was a mainstay of activist life in Washington, D.C. in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, leading sit-ins and rallies outside the South African embassy and holding a hunger strike to support asylum for Haitian refugees. Disgusted by U.S. racism, he left in 2001 to live in St. Kitts, where he died during March 2023. He is the author of several books, including The Debt, What America Owes to Blacks, and An Unbroken Agony, Haiti from Revolution to the Kidnapping of a President. Now, on June 24, 2023, a Washington, D.C. memorial was held for Randall Robinson at Shiloh Baptist Church in Northwest D.C. I'm honored to bring you part two of that memorial today. And we want to thank again Hazel Ross Robinson for allowing us to share this special commemoration with you. This section of the program begins with Ibrahim Gassama, visiting professor of law, Northwestern University, Pritzker School of Law, and former TransAfrica staff member and friend. Thank you, Hazel. And uh, members of the Robinson family, for giving me this um, opportunity to reflect on the man I proudly and stubbornly called Chief, in the same way generations of Gassamas have referred to their Malinke leaders as Chief or Mansa. The emphasis on Randall's phenomenal leadership and diverse contributions to the self-determination and decent treatment of people of African descent is quite understandable. Randall's marks, Randall's marks on this world are ineradicable. But we who worked for Randall know him first and foremost as a teacher who founded an academy that we call TransAfrica. Randall was our Mualimu, who, like all the great teachers before him, taught not only history or politics, economics or literature, but also ethics. I first met Randall as an intern in 1982 I later joined the staff full-time in 1985. In the course of my work, I traveled extensively with Randall. I saw Randall resolute, serious, and unflinchingly focused. I also saw him as a charming, witty, kind, and caring person who worked to bring out the best in those around him. Spend some time engaging Randall's writings and talks and you will discover what many of us experience in our work with him. A profound intellect, a gentle poetic soul who was frankly fun to be around. One who relentlessly challenged and inspired us 
to think critically and strategically, and most of all, to hold on uncompromisingly to our ethical compass. I read a statement online that captured Randall's mission on this earth with elegant simplicity. The person commenting on one of Randall's lectures wrote, and I quote, this man loves black people. That such a statement needed to be made reflects the tough reality people of African descent have experienced over the past several hundred years. Randall, without malice to any other, loved black people unapologetically. Here's Randall in his own words. He says, I was born in 1941, but my black soul is much older than that. The immortal self, the son of the shining but distant African ages, tells the embattled, beleaguered, damaged self, the modern self, what he needs to remember of his ancient traditions. The first thing that struck me about Randall was the way he listened and absorbed my story. He understood me. He cared about me, and he nurtured and inspired me. I have no doubt my colleagues who are here today would say the same things. He was one with us. As a result, we in turn worked mightily to live up to the standards that he had established and taught. Trans-Africa was a place where competence was presumed. Whether we came from across the river or across oceans, at Trans-Africa we found a home constructed by Randall intentionally, methodically, and lovingly. At Trans-Africa, material resources were severely, severely limited. But love, mutual respect, and generosity of spirit were always in abundance. And at least for a moment in time, we accomplished wonderful things. Randall was secure in himself and carried the timeless memory of Africa and her children foremost in his mind. He believed fervently and taught exhaustively that we must remember how we were and how we got to where we are. He called, and I quote, memory the active agent of collective social progress. The thing is, Randall didn't have to remember. Many others have chosen the much easier path of forgetting. Who can blame them? Remembering often comes with great cost. It is so much less painful to forget, but not Randall. Randall remembered. And that memory was the source of his strength, his equanimity, his passion, his courage, his kindness, and most of all, his love. In Makeda Randall, you wrote, my body will die, but my soul will live on. For my soul cannot die. Always remember that my soul is a spark of God in me. So true, Randall. And you generously shared that spark of God with all of us. Thank you, Mwalimu. We too remember.
Thank you, Hazel and the Robinson family, for inviting me to speak, not on behalf of myself, but on behalf of our collective. I represent two organizations that were profoundly interconnected, made up of individuals who had been doing the work before the organizations were created. Wherever we were around the country, members of SASP and the older members of TransAfrica had been working for building support for the people of Angola, Mozambique, Cape Verde, Guinea-Bissau, who were trapped by Portuguese colonialism. Portuguese colonialism that only continued because of the support of multinational corporations and the US government. Most people didn't know that. After all, there was a lot going on. We had the Civil Rights Movement, the Vietnam War. There were plenty of reasons to protest. But popular education, films like O Povo Organizado, A Luta Continua, brought images to people and made it plain. They were the graphic novels of today. We didn't have graphic novels then. But we were young, and so when TransAfrica and SASP became established organizations, we worked together hand in glove. SASP in the community, some of you may remember our radiothons on WHUR and WPFW, our jump rope contests, our gospel shows, and us dragging photos around to concerts in the park. Many of the people who did that work went on to lead Trans-Africa chapters around the country like Jim Davis. We were one, and we are one. The difference, though, is now we're old. We were young. <laughs> and because we were young, we were able to do this work without cell phones or the internet. We didn't even have a fax machine, and I had the nerve to ask Randall, why did we need one? So, yes, we came together and as Mary said, they went into the embassy. But what was even a stronger demonstration of the work that we had done in some ways was the fact that we asked people in the community to come out and protest on Massachusetts Avenue during rush hour on the night before Thanksgiving and they came. They didn't know why. They didn't ask why. They were so used to us asking them to come out to protest. They just figured, okay. <laughs> And those protests continued, yes, with the help of labor, with the help of the religious uh, members of our community, every religion, neighborhood association, even lawyers against apartheid. We had Episcopalians against apartheid, but we also had sororities and fraternities against apartheid. It was sort of the Rainbow Coalition 2.0, in the sense that we had indigenous people from around the world who came to join us to speak out for the principle that people deserve to control their own natural resources. Unfortunately, that's a hard lesson that we continue to learn today. I would say the most important lessons we learned from Randall were how to lose, because we lost a lot. While we seemed to be winning on South Africa, we were grinding away trying to teach people about multilateral financial institutions and how they wreak havoc on the countries of the South. We worked on the Sudan and Somalia, Burundi and Rwanda, nuclear testing in the Pacific Islands that damaged our people in Vanuatu, the impact of Reagan's Central American wars on the black people of the Caribbean, the list goes on and on. Trans-Africa Forum, my comrades who were doing the writing and the research, 
kept on proving that we could walk and chew gum at the same time. Because while the lobby was marching around the halls of Congress, testifying, making sure people who got arrested communicated with their members of Congress, the staff of TransAfrica kept on the long-term work of trying to educate our public about issues of concern. And Randall understood that bad US policies weren't limited to foreign policy. And that's why he worked so hard to bring organizations focused on domestic issues together with TransAfrica. So the NAACP and TransAfrica protested the unfair treatment of Haitian refugees and the horrible policies that were affecting Haiti then and affecting Haiti now. TransAfrica wrote a letter in opposition to the confirmation of Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court, joining the NAACP as one of the few black organizations that recognized the problems he would create. As Thurgood Marshall said, a black snake and a white snake can bite you. And so today I would just ask that we remember Randall by doing some work. I would ask you to ask yourself the question Randall asked in one of his books, have you ever known the United States to support a government that was trying to lift its people out of poverty? Think about it. Guatemala, no. I mean, we could go on. It's a list. The other thing I'd ask you to think about are how our issues are connected. We still have a government that is unresponsive to our needs. We have black farmers who have never gotten paid the money that the government admits they owe. We still have unfair treatment of black refugees and asylum seekers. We still have communities that don't have clean water and they coincidentally happen to be black. And so if Randall was here, he would echo the words of Samora Michelle and say, solidarity is not an act of charity. It's mutual aid between forces fighting for the same objectives. We want to remember Randall, we need to fight. Thank you. He was an author of several books, remarkably articulate and skillful in using the media to, to accomplish his goals. And when he stood before a microphone, there was no one that was his equal. Today we might call him a social justice influencer. But also, he was an angry man. He was genuinely angry about racism and what did it rob from so many of us. Most important, Randall was a man of great integrity and he was deeply principled. I can't recall a time when he wavered on his beliefs. He was a no compromise guy. Um, I was proud to call myself a Trans-Africa member. And while throughout the whole period that uh, we were all out in campaigning, et cetera, I actually ran my own organization uh, that worked with South African lawyers inside the country to enable them to uh, defend and get political prisoners uh, out of jail. But nevertheless, whenever Randall called, 
I was more than happy to be a part of his troops. I supported the Free South Africa movement. Every day for a year, I was in the team that got, uh, of lawyers that got people uh, out of jail, although after a while they didn't go to jail. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, I uh, traveled uh, with Randall to uh, South Africa. I lobbied uh, for um, sanctions, traveled with him to Haiti, to Cuba. I even stayed up and stayed awake for the 1 a.m. call from Fidel <laughs> to meet up and talk. <laughs> Everybody who went with us will be laughing at that one. <laughs> uh, Randall sparked a national movement and changed the trajectory of U.S. foreign policy toward apartheid. That was no small achievement. And let's give him a hand for that. So he lived his life, as you can uh, hear from uh, this really apt uh, uh, interview with him. He lived his life on his own terms, and successfully so. What more can any of us ask for? Uh, there is a saying that in order to gain peace and happiness, one needs something important to do, someone to love, and something to hope for in the future. Now, there was a little doubt about uh, what uh, Randall did and, and accomplished in his life. There's also little doubt about what his hopes were, and that was for a, a truly free uh, South Africa uh, and for a day when the debts owed to people of African descent because of the unjust systems of slavery and colonialism are finally paid in full and the ledger equalized. And Hazel, because of you and the children, he had love. Hazel, as you know, I have reason to understand some of what you must be feeling now. And I'm not going to tell you that you're going to get over it. Uh, because probably you as I have a little interest in getting over it. <laughs> um, but what I will promise you is that at one point, at some point in the future, the tears that you are crying now are going to be changed into smiles every time you think of everything you really loved about him and all of the gifts that life with him has given you. So look forward for that day.
listening to part two of our special presentation honoring Randall Robinson featuring the Washington DC Memorial held for him on June 24th, 2023 at Shiloh Baptist Church here in Northwest DC. We aired part one last week and we'll air part three on our next show. The last voices you heard were from the senior choir at Shiloh Baptist Church and before them, Gabe McDougall, United Nations Committee on the Elimination of Race, Schism and and also a friend of Randall Robinson. Before that, Cecily Counts, public interest advocate, member of the South African Support Project, and a former TransAfrica staff member and friend. Up next, Ed Lewis, founder and former CEO of Essence Communications, former chairman of TransAfrica Forum, and a friend. Stay with us. to say a few words about my dear friend, Randall Robinson. I am the co-founder of Essence Magazine that for 53 years has been in the forefront of celebrating the beauty and intelligence of black women. 
Randall and I share some powerful roots in our lives. Randall was born in Virginia. My mother's roots were in Virginia, where I spent my summers at my grandmother's farm. My first cousin, Barbara Johns, at age 16, led a walkout in protests of the unequal treatment of black students in Prince Edward County, Virginia. As a result of her bravery, Prince Edward became a part of the Prince Edward Board of Education decision by the Supreme Court outlawing segregated schools in Virginia in 1954. Her statue is being built to represent Virginia in the United States Capitol, Statuary Hall, replacing Robert E. Lee. From the very beginnings, black Virginians set the tone for protests against inequality impacted Randall and me. When Randall asked me to become a board member of TransAfrica and then chairman of TransAfrica, I witnessed the makings of an unsung hero, a transformative human being. And in my humble opinion, transformative just like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, and my hero outside my family, Jackie Robinson. Randall was a 24-7 warrior for ending apartheid in South Africa, for undertaking a human hunger strike on behalf of the Haitian people, for getting Harvard University to disinvest its portfolio of money in oil companies while a war was raging in Mozambique in the early 70s. And Randall was far out on the issue of reparations. Randall truly believed that education is one passport to the future. For tomorrow belongs to the people who prepare for it today. Randall was always prepared. Randall was a proud black male, and he knew change requires action, and action often requires everyone to be uncomfortable. Randall made a number of people uncomfortable. But the outcome is the extraordinary legacy he leaves the world. And so, I want to thank his parents for laying the foundation of values for this transformative leader. And to Hazel and her children for providing him with unconditional love as he has transitioned to join his ancestors in the struggle to eliminate all forms of systemic racial exclusion.
I'm reminded about ancestors. I was once a trustee at Tuskegee University. And during a break, I was having a conversation with one of the oldest trustees at Tuskegee. He was 85 years old. He was six feet eight. And I asked him, what is it about us as black people that enabled us to still be here with all that we've had to go through, lynchings, separations of family? He crossed his arm, he looked down at me, he said, young man, the best explanation I can give you is that we just refuse to die. Randall, your legacy will endure because we will not die. A job well done, my brother. Thank you. We are honored to have been joined by the Honorable Dr. Denzel L. Douglas, Foreign Minister and former Prime Minister of St. Kitts, Nevis. Mr. Minister. Thank you. Good afternoon, Church. I want to give thanks to Hazel and her dear family for giving me this opportunity, this honor, this privilege to say a few words on behalf of the tremendous work and service that Randall has given to mankind. And so I speak today in my capacity as Foreign Minister of the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis and the former, minister, former Prime Minister of St. Kitts and Nevis as well. The country, as you would know, Randall called home for 22 years before he left us. I dare say as well that Randall was my friend. And he was also a friend of my country, St. Kitts and Nevis, as he was a friend of the Caribbean countries. Randall was a very respectful person to the people of St. Kitts and Nevis. And despite his extraordinary powers of persuasion, he never for one moment attempted to influence my country's voters. He believed that as long as a country is democratic, as long as there was the practice of respect for human rights, the people of that country should be allowed to decide who should lead them, free of any external interference and influence. Randall's funeral, as you would have known, took place at the Wesley Methodist Church in Bastyr, St. Kitts. But the choir for his service was in fact comprised of choristers from churches across the entire country, all wishing to honor this very extraordinary man. He had calm, 
and eminently likable. I must say that at his funeral on that day were our Governor General as Head of State. There was also our Prime Minister as Head of Government. Our Deputy Prime Minister, the former Prime Minister, that's myself, and members of the Cabinet and the very broad cross-section of the St. Kitts and Nevis Society. Randall was a solid resource, a resource to which my country could and often did turn. When we needed guidance on matters of international nature, and there was need to find someone with the experience, we turned to Randall Robinson. My own life was immeasurably enriched as a result of having known Randall Robinson, the person to whom we pay attention for his life today. And we are left poorer by his death. I will miss his ready laugh. I will miss his easy manner. I will miss definitely his insight. And I will miss, and we all will miss, his courage. May we be inspired by his example. Randall Robinson was truly a man who was a rare and extraordinary soul. And so we of St. Kitts and Nevis are pleased to be part of this service to say thanks. Thank you. I am honored to join all of you in remembering Randall Robinson. My own re relationship with Randall dates to our activism against apartheid in South Africa. In 1984, after South Africa's apartheid government arrested and imprisoned 13 leaders of the Black Labor Union Movement, Randall asked me when I was a law professor at Georgetown Law Center, uh, Congressman, uh, Congressman Walter Fonroy, and U.S. Commission on Civil Rights Chair Marion, Mary Berry to join him in protest. On the afternoon before Thanksgiving, we went to the South African Embassy on Massachusetts Avenue for a meeting with the ambassador. After an hour or so, by prior arrangement, I excused myself from the meeting, 
to tell the protesters outside that the three others would not leave until the trade unionists were freed. The ambassador, after consulting his staff, ordered Randall Robinson, Walter Fauntroy, and Mary Frances Berry to be arrested. The three were jailed overnight. The evening news carried their photo around the world. This protest, spearheaded by Randall, helped spark the Free South Africa movement. After our protest, some 6,000 people were arrested, galvanizing scores of Americans to take part in the anti-apartheid struggle. By 1986, Congress overrode President Reagan's veto of the Comprehensive Anti-Apartheid Act. By 1991, South Africa's apartheid legislation was repealed. By 1994, Nelson Mandela was elected president. Today, a statue of Mandela raising his fist is located on Massachusetts Avenue outside of the South African Embassy. I'm sure you've seen it. That statue reminds us of Randall Robinson's heroism and of the legacy of righteous protests that he has bequeathed to all of us. Thank you. Well, good evening, everyone. To the love of Randall's life, Hazel. To the entire family, extended family, and to all of you friends of our great warrior, Randall Robinson. It's really with a deep sense of humility that I thank you for inviting me to give thanks today for his purposeful and his magnificent life. Now there are very few people we can say change the world. Randall is the, at the top of this list. In his role as we know him and some of us call him an activist, which he was, he was also a statesman. Like many of you, I have been in meetings with Randall, both in the United States and abroad, where he challenged world leaders to join his efforts against these crimes against humanity. He understood this must change, but he knew he had to be bold and creative to lead the effort to end apartheid in South Africa. For example, getting the United States government on the right side of history was essential. And this was a heavy lift. Now my former boss, our beloved, the late Congressman Ron Dellums, was one of the leaders in Congress to impose sanctions against the brutal racist regime in South Africa. And he never would have won this fight to override President Reagan's veto 
of the sanctions legislation had it not been for Randall Robinson and many of you here in this room. It never would have happened. But needless to say, for Randall, that was not enough for him to help end apartheid in South Africa. Then he took up the fight for justice for the Haitian people, as many have talked about today, by embarking on a 27-day hunger strike. His hunger strike ended only when President Clinton granting those fleeing Haiti asylum hearings. And because of Randall, for the first time in history, the most powerful military forces in the world engaged in a coordinated military action to reinstate a democratically elected president who had been brutally overthrown in Haiti. Randall did that. But guess what? Randall missed President Mandela's inauguration as president of the new South Africa because of the hunger strike. But he never lost his vision and his purpose. Now on a personal note, I had the privilege to work with Randall on Capitol Hill. I mean, this is way in the day. When he worked for the chair, of the Africa Subcommittee, the late, great Chairman Charlie Diggs. I vividly remember helping Randall on the Hill with the organizing of Trans-Africa. He kept me working late into the night, I mean many nights, to organize and prepare to roll out Trans-Africa to the Congressional Black Caucus, to the African diaspora, and to the world. His hard work, his brilliance, and his passion for me was something to behold. Talking with Randall through this process was amazing. His clarity regarding, and this was late at night we'd have these talks, his clarity regarding the necessity to get African Americans involved, not only in the anti-apartheid movement, but on all foreign policy and international relations and human rights issues, especially in Africa and the Caribbean. His goals were very clear. He knew that the political power of Africans in the diaspora, and he knew that part of the mission of Trans-Africa was to organize and educate the black community to our, regarding our role as global citizens. He wanted us, us to use our clout and political power to, yes, help him change the world. And all of us, including myself, have been empowered to be on the world stage in whatever space we are, speaking out and fighting for a better world for all God's children. Let me tell you, when myself, as the first African-American chair of the Appropriations Subcommittee that funds all of the United States development investments throughout the world, I was proud to increase investments in the Caribbean and in Africa. But you know what? Randall Robinson influenced me. His spirit will be everlasting and his work will be everlasting for all of us. As 2 Timothy chapter 4 reminds us, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Randall never wavered. He kept the faith. 
So may the spirit of our beloved brother Randall Robinson remind us each and every day that we must complete our race to end racism and colonialism and for freedom and for justice and for a better world until our end. Thank you and may God bless you. And Representative Barbara Lee will have the last word on today's show. Before her was D.C. Delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton, Denzel Douglas, Foreign Minister of St. Kitts Nevis, and Ed Lewis, founder and former CEO of Essence Communications. This is the second of three parts giving voice to those who honored the late human rights activist Randall Robinson at the Washington, D.C. Memorial held June of this year. We aired part one last week, and we will air part three on our next show. Special thank you again to Robinson's widow, Hazel Ross Robinson, for allowing us to share this special commemoration with you of so many people gathered, this international gathering of people who came together to honor Randall Robinson. And that's it for today's show. This is On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. You can contact us, work with us, support us, and listen to all of our current and past shows on the website we maintain onthegroundshow.org If you like the show, let us know by liking us on Facebook or Twitter or patreon.com forward slash onthegroundshow I also link to all shows on my Instagram page Esther underscore Ivarum That's I-V like Victor E-R-E-M like Mary You can also subscribe to our podcast On the Ground with Esther Ivarum on all your podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and iHeartRadio Our podcasts, our social media pages, and website all have a protest sign with green lettering that says, On the Ground. The music we played this hour included In Harm's Way by B.B. Winans, and our theme music is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I'm Esther Averam. Until next time, take good care and keep raising your voice. Peace. On the Ground is a totally listener-sponsored, supported show, and we are in need of your support. If you rely on the show, if you listen to the show, you come to look forward to what we are able to offer every week, please support us on Patreon at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash on the ground show. And you can also give on our website through PayPal or other means if you want to send a check. All that information is there. But please, please support us. I want to thank our supporters on Patreon so much. And for those who are already supporting, if you can tell a friend who you know would love to sign up, we need the support. Patreon.com forward slash on the ground show or go to on the ground show.org. Thank you.